0: So, Jr. last week saw a ramping up of the rhetoric at the state capitol. Democratic Governor Tony Evers was still reeling from the Republican-controlled Senate's decision not to confirm Brad Foff as Ag Secretary, essentially firing him. Evers reportedly told state workers then that Republicans are, quote, amoral and stupid for letting Foff go. And Evers' spokeswoman says the governor also told state workers not to let the, quote, bastards impede their work. Evers later backpedaled on that comment, saying he doesn't really think Republicans are bastards, but rather he was invoking a well-known saying. So this tension has actually been building for a while. In your observation, what is the state of relations at the Capitol right now between Evers and the GOP?
1: Oh, they've been broken for a while. Um, And people have noticed this for the entire length of the session so far. You know, a lot of this goes back to the lame duck session December of last year when Republicans pushed through a number of changes that reigned in the powers of Evers and Attorney General Josh Call gave them more oversight. Um, That really kind of began the snowball going and there are no innocent babes in the woods in this whole thing. Um, There have been examples of like Governor Evers uh, office accusing Republican law leadership of being sexist because they wouldn't meet with uh, Tony Evers, female chief of staff. They just even though some of the top aides of those leaders are women, um, there has been rhetoric going back and forth. And it just is a continued broken relationship between the two. And the question is, can they repair it or what do they do going forward um, to repair it? You need somebody who's going to be a bigger person who can ignore being insulted by the decide until tensions cool. We're not seeing any evidence of that so far. Um, Evers could go out and spend the next three years campaigning against a, a do-nothing legislature, you know, accuse Republicans of not being able to work with him. But then you have gridlock for three years. And what does he run on then in 2022? So a lot of kind of interesting pass forward on this. For the governor, it's also interesting because he kind of won with this reputation of being a nice guy that he talked about how he's going to bring the capital back together and trying to move forward past the kind of partisan eight years. But that hasn't shown up so far. Um, when Evers is out there using swear words, talking about what's happening in Capitol, referring to lawmakers as bastards, that's not elevating the rhetoric. People tell me. So it one hurts the Evers image as this nice guy. Two, Republican critics, you know, kind of look at him as being a weak governor. They think when he's uh, using strong language that he's it's fake. That they don't think it's genuine. Um, at the same time, there is a train of thought among some that since Republicans want to call Evers weak, if he's out there fighting like this, it shows that he's not going to be a pushover and might excite his base. The flip side is it also excites the Republican base, and I'm not sure what it gets Evers with the people in the middle. So there are a lot of difficult choices for the governor going forward. Republicans are happy to play goalie um, for the next year at least uh, with it comes to the governor's agenda. I'm just not sure what the path forward is going to be for either side, if there can be a Working relationship going forward, or this is the new normal, and will be as long as Evers is governor.
0: Mm-hmm. Republican State Senator Luther Olson said, "In the 25 years that he's been in the legislature, he's never seen relations this bad." From what you've seen at the Capitol, is this unprecedented?
1: Yes. Now there, I've been here for almost 20 years. There are two events that have really impacted how the Capitol operates, and one of them belongs in category all by itself. Like you can't even mention anything else in the same breath as this event, and that is the debate over Act 10. You know, in 2011, when Gov- then-Governor Walker proposed his um, his change to the collective bargaining powers for most public employees, it split the capital, it split the state. We had those days of protests. I mean, like it really ripped things apart and created a whole new tension um, that was unlike anything I'd ever seen before. In the... Ensuing couple of years after that, there was at least a veneer of civility. People tried to get past it a little bit, though there are often flare ups that they weren't past it. Governor Walker, for example, had a, a beer and brought summit at the Capitol other the executive residence, and lawmakers from both sides came out and tried to get along a little bit, at least be hospitable toward each other. So that's all by itself. Then the extraordinary session in December. It stripped that veneer away of any kind of civility and plunged them into new depths. And it's been one thing after another. Governor Evers, for example, he's a big Euchre fan. He had a Euchre night at the residence, invited lawmakers from both parties. One Republican came. I mean, that should tell you just how broken things are. Um, Republican lawmakers complain that Evers won't meet with them. Evers complains those lawmakers won't meet with his chief of staff, whether they met with Governor Walker's chief of staff all the time. everything anymore is about twisting the knife uh, it's it's a constant constant uh just kind of i don't know, pressure of small ball petty politics it's just the, it's just the new normal capital and people have been here for a long time so they've never seen it before and they keep seeing things i keep hearing the phrase i'd never seen this before until x nobody had ever seen a cabinet secretary voted down by the state senate that was unheard of um so it's just it's just a broken relationship and I don't know if it can be repaired, but how they function together could dictate whether we have any progress on significant legislation going forward.
0: Right. On a Then on a related matter, Governor Evers and Republicans in the legislature fought last week over what to call the tree that is brought to the state capitol every year at this time. Republican Governor Scott Walker declared it a Christmas tree when he first took office in 2011. Uh, then-Governor Evers, last week declared that it would now be called a holiday tree. But that prompted a heated debate in the Assembly and a resolution that passed on a party-line vote declaring the evergreen a Christmas tree once again. So if the parties are fighting over these little things, like a tree, what does it mean about them coming together on significant issues?
1: Well, this is kind of a unique issue in that, um, it, as somebody described it to me the last past week, it's it's a talker. When you get when some a constituent gets a lawmaker at the grocery store or the gas station of high school basketball game, this kind of stuff comes up, right? Like what well, what's that all about in the Capitol? What what's this going on? And so for Republicans, it's you know one they were unhappy about Evers made the change. You know it had been a called a holiday tree for I don't know 20, 25 years before Walker made the change. Republicans weren't happy about Evers changing it back. They wanted to you know make a statement about that. There's also this layer of the politics of it. Um, during the debate about the resolution or after the debate about the resolution, in the final vote, there were four Democrats who voted for the resolution and a fifth who missed the vote, but then said afterwards, she wanted to be recorded as supporting it. Two of those who voted yes happened to be targets for Republicans next fall. Now, Robin Vining of Wabatosa and Steve Doyle of Onalaska. Um, don't forget that, you know, Robin Voss, the assembly speaker, He wants to get to a two-thirds majority in the assembly, because if you get to that mark, you then have the ability to override vetoes by the governor. That would change the whole dynamic of the Capitol once again. Uh, To do that, Robin has to keep all 63 members he has right now and pick up three more. So you can go after Robin Vining, Steve Doyle, and then you got to find somebody else you can beat, again, without losing anybody. Um, There's a belief that you're going to see not much get done in terms of big ticket items the next couple of months because lawmakers are done until January. They come back. They'll be in the floor mid January, February, probably go home after that. But you may see, for example, uh, attempts override vetoes by the governor that are on tough issues for lawmakers. You might see politically popular things brought up on the floor that put Democrats in a difficult spot with their base. Um, don't forget just a couple of weeks ago, the assembly tried to override three of uh, Evers' vetoes, fell short. I mean, those vetoes weren't going to be overridden because Democrats showed no signs they were going to break with the governor. You got to clear both houses with two-thirds majority. You don't have those size majorities in either house, but you get Democrats on record with a difficult vote. You can then put those into a mail piece next fall, or a radio ad, or a TV ad. And say, look, so and so did this. You know, what do you think about that, voters? Now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, voting on a, a Christmas tree or holiday tree resolution is going to lose you an election, but it's symbolic of what might be coming in terms of, you know, the difficult thing, the difficult votes that Republicans want to put Democrats through to try and gain fodder for next fall. I mean, both sides do it. I mean, it's, it, both sides do it all the time. It's just one thing you might see a little more of this spring because what's at stake next fall.
0: Right. How do you think voters are ultimately going to view all this infighting, especially if it continues, and it looks like it will?
1: Well, that's the danger for Evers. You know, he he's the governor. He has the bully pulpit. He's better known. There's more danger for him because he has again that that nice guy image. He campaigned on bringing the capital together and civility. How do you show progress on that if this is what's going to happen? And now I'm not saying that he's all at fault at all, but. If you're the governor, you become more of the focus of if people see, well, this is just like Washington, it's just a dysfunctional place. I just the heck with all of them. That can hurt Evers more can hurt Republicans right now because he's more visible. He's more known. He has higher name ID. And don't forget the Marquette University Law School poll. The last couple we've seen, Evers has had really good job approval numbers. And there's a perception in Madison that part of that is because he's seen as being nonpartisan kind of above, or not as partisan as Walker was, above the fray, and people like that. They, they like the break from what they saw for eight years, but if they start to see Evers as just another partisan, just another politician, that goodwill can go away. Speaking of
0: Governor Evers, last week he refused a Milwaukee TV station's request for emails. The station asked for a month's worth, then a week's worth, then a day's worth, and Evers' legal counsel denied all three requests, saying they won't be fulfilled unless they include search terms or wording that can be turned into search terms. A couple of open records advocates disagreed, saying the denials amount to a violation of the law, and it's, quote, part of a concerted effort to come up with ways to limit public access. What do you make of this? Uh, Why doesn't Governor Evers want to release these emails?
1: Uh, Insiders were kind of perplexed last week about this. One of the things that kind of came up was, the governor said it, if he sent, he might send one email a day. Well, if it's that, the traffic is that light, what, the, what do they not want you to see? Um, it may be that the governor's office doesn't want to allow fishing expeditions for wide swaths of emails that would bog down staff and make it you know, harder to do other things. But again, like with promising civility when he was on the campaign trail last fall, he also promised to bring in more transparency. This doesn't go. This isn't aligned with that. Um, so there's a little bit of danger for Governor Evers with this because you're picking a fight with the media about something that people I talked to last week said. Look, it's not that big a deal. Why create a story when you could just give him the one day of email and then that it would have gone away? Um, what are they trying to hold back? So that's kind of the question people have, and it's not helping the governor with that perception of whether he's sticking to his campaign promises.
0: Also last week, Republican State Senator Chris Cappinga bowed out of the race to replace Republican Congressman Jim Sensenbrenner, who is retiring next year. This again leaves Senate Majority Leader Scott Fitzgerald as the only declared Republican in the race. So Leah Vukmir, Paul Farrell, Kevin Nicholson, Matt Walker, and now Chris Cappinga are all out. Is anybody else on the Republican side still considering a run?
1: Uh, the only name that we know of is Matt Newman. Um, His father is Mark Newman, who was a congressman, ran for governor, ran for U.S. Senate. Um, They have a family home building business that's quite successful. Matt has said that he's looking at a run and hopes to make a decision around the first of the year. But that's the only name we know of right now. And what's interesting is a couple months ago, when Jim Sensberg announced his retirement, it's such a Republican seat and hadn't been open in so long, there was an expectation there would be this wide open Republican primary. With all kinds of people getting in because it's a shot to basically become a congressperson for life, right? Um, because you don't lose that seat. But now we're down to one and it's a fascinating co- you know, combination of factors for Fitzgerald. People say was more aggressive getting the race. Um, his first one in, more aggressive in courting people, more aggressive in doing events. I mean, he's tying himself to President Trump. He's really working the race and others have had a various reasons why not to run. I mean, like Paul Farrell, for example, Milwaukee County, or sort of Waukesha County executive, uh per- per- perceptions he'd rather run for governor someday. Um, Rebecca Clayfish, former lieutenant governor, she wants to run for governor. But you think in 2022? You don't run for Congress in 2020 then turn around a couple months later, run for statewide office. So people who did decided not to run each had a personal reason why not to get in. But also they had the fact that Fitz was getting out ahead of everybody else and putting in the work. So it's kind of a a perfect storm for him so far. The question is, with Matt Newman still thinking about it, is there still room for somebody else in the private sector who probably has personal wealth to get in? Because if Matt Newman doesn't get in, and if you have an interest in politics and being in Congress and have a a big checkbook, you could possibly self-fund a race and portray yourself as an outsider versus a longtime politician. That could be an interesting dynamic, but every day that Fitzgeralds out there is the only only announced Republican candidate, it's one one less day you have to catch up to him right now. Um, and obviously, there's a, a Democrat who's announced he's going to run. Same guy ran running at Sensenbrenner in 2018, but it's such a Republican seat the focus has been on that primary right now. Fitzgeralds kind of running away with it,
0: right? Um, so, is this pretty much Fitzgeralds' race to lose at this point?
1: <sighs> Maybe. There's still time. And that's the the I guess the way I hesitate a little bit to answer that question that, yeah, it's his because you can still get in the race if you can self-fund or have a deep fundraising network, um, get in the race, self-fund and present a compelling uh, case to voters. Don't forget Ron Johnson um, in 2010. Well, let's say 2009. Nobody's talking about him running for U.S. Senate he got in that race that spring of 2010 and his campaign just like caught fire and he took off. Um, There is still time, but that time is running short. And so if you really wanna do this, it's imperative to get in sometime soon.
0: All right. And finally, Wisconsin Democratic Senator Tammy Baldwin is calling on Wisconsin Republican Senator Ron Johnson to recuse himself if there is an impeachment trial in the Senate against President Trump. Johnson has said he will not recuse himself despite his close involvement in Ukraine issues. What is Johnson's relationship with you, with Ukraine, and do you think these calls for recusal will grow louder if the process, you know, if we get to a, a full-on trial at some point?
1: Well, Johnson just happens like it's just kind of interesting where he's just been at the right place at the right time to have these various connections, what's happening with the Ukraine and this whole impeachment process. So I'm not suggesting he's in the middle of anything, but he just happened to be there and, and see and hear things, which makes him a compelling figure and some like a side figure in what's going on. I don't see any signs from Johnson. He's going to recuse himself. I have no idea if it's going to hurt him and all the voters. And people I talked to pointed out that it's such a murky story a little bit with Johnson, like what what he did, what he saw, his role. I'm not sure the average voter goes, oh, this is what's going on with him. This is why it's a problem. It's really more about the president right now, what's happening with him. So this, I just don't get the sense just yet that Johnson's really running into really big trouble because... It's just such an unusual story. It's hard to figure out where he fits into it.
0: That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.